Welcome to the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. I'm Robert Peterson, and I'm here to tell you about some of Bakersfield's most notorious crimes, events, and characters that have made an impact on the Central California Valley community. Are you ready to hear a notorious Bakersfield story? Good. Let's get started. Welcome to the ninth episode of the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. I hope everyone is doing good, staying out of the awful heat. Now that it's August, we're in the home stretch of summer, and I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to cooler temperatures. I want to remind everybody to follow Notorious Bakersfield on our social media pages. You can find Notorious Bakersfield on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you haven't already done so, if you enjoy this podcast and want to be automatically notified when a new episode is released on Tuesday, be sure to subscribe to Notorious Bakersfield on your favorite podcast app. Now, let's jump right into the subject of this episode, the Oildale Serial Rapist. Through the summer of 1981, there was a serial rapist prowling the streets of Bakersfield. You wouldn't have known about it unless you had a connection to law enforcement or a local news reporter, or were one of his victims, or knew one of his victims. There were no newspaper headlines or nightly TV news stories warning the citizens of Bakersfield that there was a serial rapist. Police and reporters were privy to that information, and they deliberately kept the public in the dark until a suspect was finally arrested four months after the rapes began. If you were around Bakersfield during the summer of 1981, you might have heard the rumors about the rapes, or you may have even known someone who had been raped. But if you read the Bakersfield Californian, listened to the radio news, or watched local TV news, you wouldn't have been any wiser. The first suspected rape attributed to this assailant happened May 29, 1981. Because the first assaults occurred in the Oildale area, the suspect was dubbed the Oildale Rapist. But he didn't stay in Oildale. He ventured to other areas and neighborhoods of Bakersfield, Oildale, Northeast Bakersfield, and the Oleander neighborhood were his favorite places to stalk, prowl, and rape. As the summer of 81 wore on, and as Bakersfield's summer temperatures began to soar, so did the police sexual assault caseload. Once law enforcement began to suspect that one person was responsible for this series of rapes, the Bakersfield Police Department formed a task force. Undercover officers began staking out the neighborhoods the serial rapists seemed to target. The suspect's methods were inconsistent. He sometimes caught his victims as they were returning home from a night out. But other times he broke into the victims' homes or apartments through an open window or unlocked door. Oftentimes he bound the victims' hands. Sometimes he blindfolded them. But not always. To add insult to injury, sometimes he stole from the victims he had just assaulted. His victims ranged from as young as 10 years old to elderly. What was consistent was that he always wore gloves, and he used a weapon, a knife, or a gun during his attacks. 
He threatened his victims with further harm if they notified police. He'd tell them he'd return to kill them. Also consistent was his description. The victims who were able to get a look at him, their descriptions were, for the most part, the same. A white male in his mid to late 20s with shaggy blonde hair. On September 17th, shortly after 2 a.m., three officers working the special task force spotted a prowler fitting the rapist description in the 3200 block of Q Street. A foot chase ensued. Police chased the suspect for several blocks. Once apprehended, the suspect was in possession of gloves and a large kitchen knife. He was identified as Christopher Ray Hall, a 26-year-old with a history of prior arrest for burglaries and a conviction for rape that dated back to when he was a teenager. In 1973, when he was just 17 years old, Charles Ray Hall was found guilty for the rape of an elderly Oildale resident. Kern County Superior Court Judge Naren determined that Hall was a mentally disturbed sex offender. He ordered Hall to a state mental institution on the condition that the convicted rapist actively participate in the rehabilitation programs offered. After four and a half years of being institutionalized, Hall refused efforts in his treatment and found himself back in Judge Naren's courtroom. This time, the judge sentenced Hall to three years to life in prison. His report to the California Department of Corrections, Naren urged the longest term possible. Judge Naren wrote, quote, Mr. Hall is a rapist who delights in his act. I regard him as a very dangerous young man, unquote. He was released less than a year later, in January 1978. Charles Ray Hall was arrested twice that same year that he was just released, once for possession of marijuana and again for a series of burglaries around North High School. When he was arrested for the burglaries, he was in possession of a gun. He was sentenced that time four years. On February 14, 1981, with time off for good behavior, Hall was released from prison again, and the series of rapes attributed to the Oildale rapist began three months later in May 1981. Since there wasn't any prior publicity about these crimes, once a suspect was apprehended and police finally acknowledged that there was a serial rapist, public interest in the crimes exploded, so much so that Charles Ray Hall was granted a change of venue for his criminal trial. The trial began in September of 1982 in Visalia with Kern County District Attorney Kirk Wilson prosecuting the case. Fifteen victims, including a 10-year-old, took the witness stand to testify. The trial lasted two weeks. When the jury rendered their verdict, Charles Ray Hall was found guilty of 12 counts of rape, 4 counts of sodomy, 6 counts of oral copulation, 10 counts of robbery, 2 counts of attempted rape, and 1 count of assault with a deadly weapon. The jury was convinced that Hall was guilty of all charges, but because of reasonable doubt, they couldn't reach a unanimous decision on four of the counts. On September 30, 1982, Charles Ray Hall 
was sentenced to 881 years in prison, a sentence that, at that time, was the longest sentence imposed on a rapist in California history. After the hearing, Assistant DA Kirk Wilson stated, quote, Charles Ray Hall is the most vile, despicable individual with whom I have ever had contact. He deserves every second of the 181-year sentence, and I hope he remains in prison until he dies, unquote. On April 1st, 2021, just a few months ago, the 66-year-old convicted Oildale rapist was denied parole. He'll be up again in 2026. When I set out researching this case, the first article I found regarding the 1981 series of rapes attributed to the Oildale rapist was after Charles Ray Hall had been apprehended and named a suspect. There were no other articles in the Californian prior to his arrest that mention a serial rapist. Nothing. Then I reread the first article, and the last two paragraphs jumped out at me and explained a lot. Here are the last two paragraphs of the September 20th, 1981 edition of the Bakersfield Californian. Quote, the Californian learned police suspected many of the rapes were committed by the same person in mid-August. Because the police stakeout was in progress, and because some of the victims had reported threats by the rapist, the Californian honored a police department request to limit publicity on the attacks. Unquote. Michael Trahey, then a reporter for the Californian, was on the byline for that story. So I emailed him to ask him these questions. Do you recall if the Californian ever published an article about the rapes prior to Hall's arrest? Also, do you know who dubbed him the Oil Del Rapist? Law enforcement? Media? Michael Trahey responded, quote, You ask a controversial question. Re we reporters were quite angry that our bosses wouldn't let us report on the manhunt in this case. We knew that there was a serial rapist on the loose, but the cops convinced our managers that if we reported the existence of such a predator, he would lay low and they would not be able to catch him. We knew that the cops had stakeouts all over town. Our single women reporters who lived alone went to stay with other reporters or with their boyfriends. We all closed our windows on those hot summer nights. I don't know, don't remember the answers to your specific questions. Certainly reported something about these crimes, but I'm not sure what. And I don't know, remember, who saddled this criminal with that moniker, unquote. I understand the police wanting to keep publicity about this case to a minimum. It would have caused quite a stir, and he probably would have laid low for a while. Also, let's remember, the assailant threatened his victims with further harm if they notified police. He already knew where they lived, so I understand that. But didn't law enforcement and the media both have responsibility to warn the public about a threat of this magnitude? Don't they have an obligation to notify citizens and say, hey, there's a serial rapist on the loose in Bakersfield. You should take some extra precautions. You may be thinking, but that tactic worked. They finally caught him. 
ask yourself this, how many people were victimized between the period where police realized they had a serial rapist on their hands and when the suspect was finally caught? Didn't those victims deserve to know there was a serial rapist on the loose so they could better protect themselves? I understand both sides of this argument. I really do. I just don't know which side I agree with, and I'm glad I have never been in a position to have to make that kind of decision. On our Facebook page, there's a poll um, about whether or not you agree with that decision. Um, please visit our Facebook page and take that poll. I'm just curious however the other people feel. It's yes, no, or undecided like me. I'm undecided. Resources used for researching this case, the Bakersfield, California, and the LA Times, the Fresno Bee, the Modesto Bee, and the Visalia Times. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, whatever, I welcome feedback. You can reach me at um, NotoriousBakersfield at gmail.com. Notorious and Bakersfield are all one word. Also, don't forget to uh, look at our Facebook page to take that poll. Do you agree with that decision of law enforcement and media to keep the citizens of Bakersfield in the dark about a serial rapist, the Oildell rapist? So next week, next Tuesday, I'll see you right back here. Have a wonderful week.